Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. We're moving forward in our uh, sermon series, sermon and teaching series from Deuteronomy. This entire series is entitled Here. The entire series is under the umbrella Here, H E A R, uh, coming mainly from Deuteronomy 6, uh, from the Shema that we've taught on a couple times. And that word, Shema, simply means to hear, but not just with the ear, but it means to hear with your soul, hear with your heart, hear with the intent to follow up and follow through and obey what you hear. Uh, We've made an acronym out of the word hear. We want to come out of this series, especially our younger generations, holy, engaged, and anointed terrain. Holy, engaged, and anointed terrain. So we're moving our way, making our way through Deuteronomy chapter, the book of Deuteronomy. Today we're in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy 12. If you could meet me there, I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. I'll be going back and forth between the New Living Translation and the King James Version of scriptures. I'll be sharing various scriptures from those two versions, New Living Translation and King James. Deuteronomy 12, going to begin at verse 1. Keep your Bible or your app open because we're going to look at other verses throughout this 12th chapter of Deuteronomy. But I'm just going to read the first five verses to get us started. Verses 1 through 5 will get us started in Deuteronomy chapter 12. And uh, keep your Bible or your app open so that you can uh, really glean from what else we're going to share from this chapter. I hope Deuteronomy is blessing you like it's blessing me. I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit I'm eating my own cooking. And God is even challenging me with... Uh, what we're sharing from the book of Deuteronomy. So again, chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. These are the decrees and regulations you must be careful to obey when you live in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. You must obey them as long as you live. When you drive out the nations that live there, you must destroy all the places where they worship their gods, high on the mountains, up on the hills, and under every green tree. Break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Burn their Asherah poles and cut down their carved idols. Completely erase the names of their gods. Do not worship the Lord your God in the way these pagan peoples worship their gods. Rather, you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship. He himself will choose from among all the tribes the place where his name will be honored. Amen. I want to raise the question today, how shall we worship God? How shall we worship God? Well, the answer to the question, plain and simple, y'all, is we worship God on his terms and not our own. God is telling this generation of the children of Israel how he expects them to worship him. He doesn't leave it up to them to determine how they'll do it once they get settled in the promised land. God tells them how he demands worship from them. Pay attention to verse number one. Verse one, they're told to worship the God of their ancestors. 
the God of their ancestors. They are to observe. The King James Version says, these are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe. Observe. That word observe means to keep or to heed, to, to preserve. It, it also entails an element of guarding as a watchman. Guard, as if you're on guard duty, as if you're a watchman, uh, this word that God gives you. The word observe also means to treasure up, to celebrate, uh, to perform a vow, or, or, or to use this word to keep oneself from uh, the, the things that God would have us to not do. So Moses told them how to worship the God of their ancestors. He was addressing the descendants of slaves. This is the God who delivered their enslaved parents and grandparents from slavery in Egypt. If it had not been for this God, for this God, they and their ancestors would still be making bricks without straw. If it had not been for this God, their sons' lives would still be in grave danger. Pharaoh had issued a decree to kill all of the Hebrew males born in Egypt so he could control the exponential growth of the children of Israel. If it had not been for this God, the Hebrew midwives would still be putting their lives on the line as essential frontline workers in birthing these baby boys and sneaking to keep them alive. But this God, he is the one who came to their rescue to deliver them from their Egyptian oppressors. And now they stand on the east side of the Jordan River being told how to worship the God of their ancestors. He, de he demanded to be worshipped a certain way, and he deserved everything he demanded. It was this God, this God, not just some other God that they'd been introduced to, but, but this God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He demanded and deserves to be worshipped the way he wants to be worshipped. He demanded it of them then. He demands it of us now. So in other words, the same thing goes for us. The same God who delivered the children of Israel's ancestors is the same God who delivered ours. Is anybody with me today? That same God brought us through slavery, brought us through lynchings, through, brought us through Jim Crow, brought us through the civil rights movement, and is still working to bring us out of the hell we're catching now. Our history as black people would not entail all the progress we've made as a people had it not been for this God, the God of our ancestors, bringing us to where we are now. Worshiping God, worshiping God had a lot to do with God's motivation behind his delivering the children of Israel from captivity. God told Moses prior to his departure from Egypt in Exodus or his departure for Egypt in Exodus chapter 4 verses 22 the beginning of verse 23 he says um, then you will tell him this is what the Lord says Israel is my firstborn son I commanded you let my son go so he can worship me. God, in, in Exodus chapter 4, is giving Moses marching orders to return to Egypt, confront the Pharaoh, the, the king or the, the president of that land, and, and demand that he let the children of Israel go. So Moses returns to Egypt, confronts the Pharaoh in, in Exodus chapter 5. And in Exodus chapter 5, Moses says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. 
Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. So then Moses pleaded with him again, let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. So what I want us to understand is the whole, the whole motivation behind God setting the children of Israel free from their Egyptian slavery was not just so they could be free from slavery. God set them free so they would be free to worship him. God set them free. God delivered them. God brought them out of their Egyptian oppression so they would be free to serve him, to honor him, to celebrate him, and to obey him. So when the question becomes, how shall we worship God? Again, we worship God on his terms. His terms, the way he said to worship him. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 12, look at the end of the chapter. Jump down to around verse 29 of Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 29 God says through Moses, when the Lord your God goes ahead of you and destroys the nations and you drive them out and live in their land, do not fall into the trap of following their customs and worshiping their gods. Do not inquire about their gods, saying, how do these nations worship their gods? I want to follow their example. You must not worship the Lord your God the way the other nations worship their gods, for they perform their gods every detestable act that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters as sacrifices to their gods. So be careful. Be careful to obey all the commands I give you. You must not add anything to them or subtract anything from them. God, y'all, God, the same God of our ancestors back in the day is the same God who is going ahead of them to drive out their enemies in front of them. The same God who fought for us before we got here is the same God who fights for us where we're going. He spoke through Moses and warned this generation who's about to go in and conquer Canaan. The warning is that there are worship traps awaiting them. If they aren't careful, if they aren't careful, they can fall into the trap of incorporating Canaanite worship rituals and beliefs into their worship of Yahweh. God wasn't having it. He didn't want them to concoct worship and therefore give him worship he despised. They needed to be clear that Canaan's idols could do nothing for the children of Israel. They needed a conviction that, that Canaan's rituals were empty and meaningless in worshiping Yahweh, the God who delivered their ancestors and now goes before them to give them Canaan. So to all of our young people, to all of our young folks, especially those of you who are about to go away to college, be aware of the traps awaiting you. Traps of philosophy courses and comparative religion courses and, and, and professors who openly reject Christ and his word and students who work to pull you into their views and lifestyles that contradict the word of God. Be careful, be careful. The courses and conversations you can have can be a blessing, but be advised. Some are traps to pull you away from God or worship God with rituals and beliefs he despised. It is no secret to almost everybody who's a part of the Union Grove family and everybody who knows me well, it is no secret that I love chocolate. 
I, I love chocolate. Some of the best gifts I receive are in the form of some sort of chocolate. Uh, milk chocolate, white chocolate. I can even mix dark chocolate with other stuff to make it palatable. But I despise, I loathe, I hate German chocolate. I hate it. I hate it with a passion. I can take dark chocolate and put almonds or peanut butter with it and enjoy it. But there is nothing, absolutely nothing, I can mix with a German chocolate cake to enjoy it. If someone gives me a German chocolate cake, there's nothing I can do with it. Nothing I can do with it to enjoy it. It is meaningless and will be discarded. Now, what would be a trip is if I tell you I despise German chocolate and you give me a German chocolate cake anyway and then expect me to receive it while you may say, Pastor Clark, you know my heart. We cannot worship God any old kind of way and offer him something he told us he despises and present it to him and give it to him and then say, but God, you know my heart. We cannot worship him on our terms and give him what we want to give him when we feel like it, if we feel like it. You know, as if there's some sort of on and off switch to our love for him and think he should be okay with whatever we give him. We cannot bring anything into his house and incorporate it into a worship experience and think God should be okay with it because he knows our hearts. When it comes to worshiping God, we must worship him on his terms. The sad reality is, though, too many of us have made worship about us and our preferences rather than about God and his precepts. Take a glance at verse 8 real quick. Verse 8 of Deuteronomy 12. Verse 8 says, your pattern of worship will change. Today, all of you are doing as you please. We have made worship about us and our preferences and, and what's convenient and, and, and what, what we like. And too many, too many saints attach themselves to a ministry so they can enjoy the type of music they prefer or, or hear the type of preaching they prefer or, or the location is more preferable than where God has assigned them. Some people attach themselves to a ministry simply to pick up women or men or both or network for their business. Their motivation for attaching themselves to a ministry had nothing to do with the will of God for their lives. They have fallen into a trap. And we need to worship where God has placed us and offer what he has given us and ordained for us and commanded us rather than only seek what we get out of ministry. And this pandemic, I know this pandemic for many of our churches, to include ours, put some, put some restrictions before us. And it presents also some worship traps. Attending corporate worship was already an option to so many. Some would attend if they had time. And now during this pandemic, we stream if we want and whatever church service we want. Now that can be a good thing. That can be a good thing. I spend most of my Sunday evenings checking out other sermons, other pastors and other preachers preaching. But, and so praise God for access to so many ministries and powerful men and women of God around the world who are rightly dividing the word of truth. However, some are making it optional. Some saints are making worship optional to get the word of God at all. Some are making being shepherded by the shepherd the Lord has ordained for their lives a thing of the past. They'd rather pick their own shepherd according to their own preference rather than as the result of prayer. They have fallen 
into a trap. So how shall we worship God? Again, I submit to you, worship God on his terms according to his word. Here are some details Moses gave the children of Israel concerning worshiping God. Y'all got time? Uh, give, it, give me a few minutes and I'll, we'll, we'll run through this and wrap it up. Number one, when we, talk about, when we talk about worshiping God, number one, worship God exclusively. Worship God exclusively. I'm in verses two and three. Worship God exclusively. Verses two and three. When you drive out the nations that live there, you must destroy all the places where they worship their gods. High on the mountains, up on the hills, under every green tree, break down their altars, smash their sacred pillars, burn their Asherah poles, and cut down their carved idols, completely erase the names of their gods. God wanted these worshipers to worship him and him alone. So they were told they'd see the Canaanites' gods. They, they, they were told that they'd see their idols in the land. And some of those idols would be pre, uh, propped up high on the mountains and hills because the Canaanites believed that, that they would be nearer to heaven if they put their gods way up on the tops of mountains and, and hills, that they would be nearer to heaven. Then they would put some down under uh, the trees and in shaded and darker areas in order to inspire some sort of awe uh, as, as their gods were hidden in dark shaded areas. But God didn't want the children of Israel pulled away from him or shared on a list of other gods his people would worship. So he told them to get rid of the Canaanites gods and to get rid of all of them. God wanted the children of Israel all to himself an exclusive faithful covenant worship and as you think about it this wasn't too much for God to demand after all he delivered them from slavery all by himself he drowned Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea all by himself God this God and this God alone provided manna from heaven he dropped quail a, a quail buffet in the wilderness all by himself he kept their clothes and shoes from wearing out all these years all by himself why could he have Israel's worship all to himself he's going ahead of them into their destiny all by himself he's giving them the victory all by himself he's giving them opportunities to prosper all by himself not him and Baal not him and Asherah doors are going to open and God is going to open them all by himself so they were to worship God exclusively they were to worship God and God alone and that goes for us too because God saved you all by himself God washed your sins away all by himself God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life all by himself God woke you up this morning all by himself God started you on your way all by himself he makes his goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life and he does it all by himself he did it yesterday he did it today he'll do it tomorrow every day you wake up God will be blessing you God will be with you God will be causing goodness and mercy to follow you all the days of your life and he does it all by himself so why not worship him why not worship him in him alone why not worship him exclusively we worship God and God alone don't let your new boo thing threaten your worship don't let your new job threaten your worship don't let vain philosophies and empty theologies threaten your worship worship God and worship him exclusively
Here's the second thing I want to share today. The second thing about how we worship God, not only must we worship him exclusively, but number two, worship God at the proper locality. Worship God at the proper locality. Look at verse number five, verse five. Verse five through seven says, rather you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship he himself will choose from among all the tribes, the place where his name will be honored. There you will bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, your offerings to fulfill a vow, your voluntary offerings, and your offerings of the firstborn animals of your herds and flocks. Moses instructed this generation on the come up to worship God in certain sacred spaces of the Lord's choosing. They weren't to pick any random spot. God would pick the locale of, his, of, of where his people were to bring burnt offerings, sacrifices, tithes, sacred offerings, and fulfill whatever vow uh, they had made unto the Lord. God would have specific sacred locales for them to give tangibly in tithes and various offerings. Now, now we know from Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well in Samaria that our worship is not confined to a certain geographical location. Worship is not confined to being, to being a particular thing you can only do in a particular place. We, as followers of Jesus, worship God in spirit and in truth. This means we worship in all we do according to how God has made himself known to us. Our worship is done by giving God what he wants, the way he wants it, all the time. On my job, I'm worshiping. At home, I'm worshiping. When I'm angry, I'm worshiping. When I have it going on, I'm worshiping. But we still get a modern day application of Moses' instructions for the children of Israel to worship God in a particular locality. Moses here is talking about giving. There were places of God's choosing where these worshipers were to give him what he demanded and deserved in tithes and in offerings. The same goes for us. We are told to bring our tithes to the storehouse, to the house of God. We don't take his tithe and put it where we choose. The tithe, the 10% of our income, our increase belongs to God. He has commanded us to bring it to the storehouse. His house, follow the Lord's instructions concerning his tithe. Now, later in our text, Moses made exceptions when it came to the locality for worship. Look at verse 21 of Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy 12, Moses makes some exceptions. He comes back to the notion of giving in, in certain uh, sacred localities. Verse 21 says, it might happen that the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, is a long way from your home. If so, you may butcher any of the cattle, sheep, or goats the Lord has given you, and you may freely eat the meat in your hometown as I have commanded you. So what does this mean? It means the locality could change. But consider this. Whether they were to go to the designated spaces or if it was too far and they could give in their hometown, please consider this. The worship through our giving is not to ever be performed nowhere. In other words, 
If asked where you're giving the Lord his tithe and offering, your reply ought never be nowhere. Worship through our giving is not to ever be performed nowhere. It can change from certain sacred, in their case it would change from certain sacred locations of God's choosing or their hometown. But the locality would never be nowhere. And some of us need to admit, some of us need to repent. Because lately, that's where your giving has gone. Nowhere. Some of us need to repent and come clean with God. And understand that God is demanding and deserves our tithe and our offering. Remember this. Remember this. God promised to put his name there. He said, I want you to give where I choose because I'm going to put my name there. And what he was saying, I'm going to make myself known there. I'm going to manifest my presence there. When God said he put his name there, God, God wasn't just saying he put his name on the door. God was not saying that he put his name on the marquee. God was saying when he said, I'll put my name there, God says, where I tell you to give, I'll show up there. Where I tell you to give, I'll, I'll make an appearance there. Here, here, here's, here's what ought to bless you. God says, I, I, where I tell you to give, you can have an encounter with me there. And some of us need to understand that we can encounter God in the house of God when we obey him and fulfill his mandate on our giving. No time in scripture are we to ever have where the, the address for our giving is nowhere. I, I want to encourage every member of this house, even though you can't, maybe you can't come to 809 every Sunday in this current season. That season shall return. But right now, don't let the address of where you're sending your tithe or your offering to be nowhere don't allow it to be a place where you chose allow it to be the place where God chose the place where you want to encounter God the place where you want to meet God the place where you want to experience God's presence is anybody praying with me here when you give unto the Lord at his house do so with the expectation that he will show up and make himself known to you in that locality put your name on the offering envelope or in the text to give or however you're going to do it and ask God to put his name manifest his presence in that place how shall we worship God number one worship God exclusively number two worship God at the proper locality and thirdly worship God with your family worship God with your family look at verse number seven verse seven there you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord your God and you will rejoice in all you have accomplished because the Lord your God has blessed you. God demanded and deserved worship from entire families. They were instructed to feast in the presence of the Lord with their families. They were to feast on the offerings and sacrifices they offered in the proper localities of the Lord's choosing. So when the worshiper would bring their tithe or their offering, the priest would get a portion and the offerer would get a portion as well. The person bringing the offering was expected to share with their family, their servants, and others. The whole household was expected uh, to be included in celebrating the Lord's goodness to that family. In return, the whole family was to feast. The whole family was to feast in God's presence with rejoicing in what had been accomplished with their harvest. When it comes to your worship, don't leave your family out. 
Don't leave your family out. I want to encourage you, pull your immediate family in. Don't you leave your immediate family out. Worship God with your family. God wants you and your whole family to feast and celebrate in his presence. Worship ought to be a family affair, especially if God has been blessing your whole family. Is anybody praying with me today? Worship ought to be something whole families do together on the regular. How many of you are streaming this worship experience while some of your children are exercising the option to sleep in bed? How many of you are streaming this worship experience while your child is exercising the option to play video games? How many of you are teaching your children that worship is optional? Worship is not optional. Giving is not optional. God did not make this festive feast something for the family if they weren't too busy with travel ball. God did not make this feast something for those who weren't too busy working or trying to get their business off the ground or going away for some recreational fun time. He demanded an opportunity for whole families to worship and celebrate the Lord's provision together. Now, this is something all of us, all of you who are yet raising children, small children in your house, I want you to be very careful in what you're teaching your children, the subliminal messages you may be teaching your children and, and, and teaching them that worship is optional. You, you may not intend to teach them that, but when you, when you tell them they don't have to come to church, they don't have to stream, they don't have to engage in the things of God, you are teaching them that worship is optional. And we cannot afford, we could never afford to do that. We sure can't afford to do it now. I've been telling you, Union Grove, for years about this segment of our population called the nuns. Not N-U-N-S, our Catholic sisters who wear the habits and things. I'm talking about nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Those, when asked what is their religious affiliation, they would respond by saying, none. They have none for a religious affiliation. They, they may claim to be spiritual or they may just claim to worship God as they understand him in, in their own or, or her or it uh, according to their own uh, making and imagination in their mind. And the population of those who consider themselves nuns, N-O-N-E-S, is constantly rising. We don't want any of our children to be a part of that segment of our population. I believe every born-again believer in Jesus Christ wants their children to be saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost and committed to learning, serving, and giving and connecting. But when we teach our children that worship is optional, we are making them vulnerable to becoming a part of the nuns. And I also understand that some of us, it may be hard to bring our family together to worship and celebrate because your family may have too much calamity to celebrate. Too much calamity to celebrate. Author Jim Butcher said, there's nothing that makes you more insane than family or more happy or more exasperated or more secure. Let's be honest, y'all. All of our families can make all of us feel a, a, a number of different ways. With our families, a song comes to mind, we've had some good days. We've had some hills to climb. We've had some weary days and show had some sleepless nights. 
Sometimes I do understand there's there's so much calamity in the house. The household cannot come together to celebrate God's goodness as good as God has been to your family. Too many of them want to keep up the calamity, the chaos and the commotion. And I encourage you to envision the day when your family, your, your, at least your immediate family, can come together for prayer or rejoicing in the Lord's provision or his protection. I, I encourage you to go ahead and celebrate on behalf of your family with the vision of the day, the, the vision of the day coming where your immediate family will praise God with you. Yeah, and I know also, I'm, I'm going to move on after I hit this right here. Some of you will try to get your family to celebrate the, the Lord with you, and they're going to criticize you. They're going to criticize you because you got saved after your kids were in high school or, or after your kids got some years behind them. And, and your kids, they've seen you drink. They, they've seen you party. They, they've seen perhaps some, some other stuff that didn't reflect worship. And they're attacking you because now, all of a sudden, you're high on some Jesus juice. Uh, but if that's the case, if you're being criticized for all of a sudden wanting to live for Jesus, don't let that discourage you. And don't you deny it. In fact, celebrate that. Celebrate the fact that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, God got a hold of you. Celebrate that God suddenly got a hold of your heart. If I were you, I wouldn't hold my head down when my family wouldn't want to celebrate with me because all of a sudden, now I want to live right. All of a sudden, I don't want to get high anymore. All of a sudden, you don't want to get drunk anymore. All of a sudden, you don't disappear and go over your or, or your boothang house or they coming over to your house for the weekend now all of a sudden you're trying to get into the word don't you let that get you down or keep you down I would celebrate that God is doing something suddenly in your heart God is doing something suddenly in your mind celebrate and envision the day that God will do the same sudden work in your son same work in your daughter same work in your husband same work in your wife same work in your mama same work in your in your daddy and if I if I got anybody streaming and needs God to do something suddenly for somebody in your family I need you to type suddenly in the comments and declare and decree that by faith you're believing God to do something suddenly in your family suddenly save my son God move and do it suddenly for my daughter move and do it suddenly for my brother do it suddenly for my sister just as you got a hold of me all of a sudden and just as I'm on fire for you all of a sudden I want you to do a sudden work in my family how many of y'all know God is able to do it I got a little more to share about can we just take a break right now and praise God for the stuff he does in our families suddenly all of a sudden your marriage is turning around all of a sudden your mind is being regulated all of a sudden you find joy and satisfaction in your life all of a Jordan all of a sudden you got peace in the midst of your storms all of a sudden you can't help but praise him all of a sudden you want to live for him I need somebody to trust God to do something suddenly suddenly for your son for your daughter for your brother for your sister for your mama for your daddy for your husband for your wife suddenly God do something for my family so we can worship you together oh but that's the fourth thing the fourth thing the fourth thing the fourth thing that, that we want to deal with as we talk about how shall we worship God fourth thing worship God joyfully 
Worship God joyfully. Look at verse 7 again. Verse 7. There you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord your God. And you will rejoice in all you have accomplished because the Lord your God has blessed you. And then verse 12. Look at verse 12. Verse 12. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God. Ye and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and your maid servants and the Levite that is within your gates. For as much as he hath no part nor inheritance with you. Worship is to include rejoicing. Celebrating. Uh, black folk don't have a problem getting emotional when we worship. We, we don't have a problem getting loud when we worship. We, we don't have a problem running and dancing and jumping and screaming and falling out and, and, and get got to get stuff laid all on you. You got you fall even when you got pants on. You got to get stuff just laid all on you. Get, we, we don't mind getting emotional in our worship. We're told in the word of God to rejoice. That word rejoice in verses 7 and 12 means to be glad, to be merry. It also means, it also means to rejoice arrogantly. To rejoice as if you know God's been good to you. To walk in the church with your head held high when they know all about you. They know your business and won't shut up talking about it. But you know God's been good to you. When they question how can you worship with all the stuff you've been doing. All the stuff you're still doing. We're told to rejoice arrogantly. I know it was God who did it for me. I know it was the blood for me. These descendants of slaves would certainly have plenty of things to be glad about. After all, they would be living in a land flowing with milk and honey. Who, who couldn't rejoice in a place like that? Any of y'all have milk and honey flowing in your living room? Now, you might if you got a toddler in the house, but that's a whole different story. We'll deal with that later. Yeah, they, 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 they would have every right to rejoice. Their enemies will be defeated. Who couldn't rejoice and be glad in a place like that? They had plenty of food to eat and nothing lacking. Who couldn't rejoice in a situation like that? But look closely at what Moses says in verse number 7. Verse 7, Moses told them, There you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord your God, and you will rejoice. Here it is. Here it is. Everybody on the come up, here it is. Everybody who's yet to graduate high school, graduate college, all of you, beginning your adulting life here's why they would have to rejoice in all you have accomplished because the Lord your God has blessed you to everyone on the come up with so many goals and dreams and things you want to accomplish when God blesses you to accomplish it all give him the glory and joyfully worship him don't let anybody make you feel bad for what you wear what you drive where you live where you can afford to go on vacations give God the glory and worship him joyfully when you're making more money than you ever could have imagined give God the glory and worship him joyfully don't feel guilty don't you worry about, about black folks telling you you think you're white. Don't worry about the crabs trying to keep you in the bottom of the bucket. Live in the joy of the Lord. When you accomplish all that you're going to accomplish, give God the glory and worship him joyfully. Oh, in verse 12, don't you forget verse 12. Verse 12, we're told, and don't leave out the Levites. When you worship God joyfully, don't leave out the Levites. I'm in verse 12. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and maidservants and the Levite. The Levites were descendants of Levi, one of the sons of Jacob. 
They were a standout class of priests. They were responsible for serving in the tabernacle and handling holy things. They had a reputation. Watch this, y'all. They had a reputation. The Levites, y'all, had a reputation of faithfulness and loyalty to Moses and Joshua when others had rebelled against them. The Levites would have no inheritance of land in Canaan. The Lord would be their portion. So they would be supported by others' generosity and kindness. Moses told the children of Israel, when you worship, when you rejoice, when you worship with gladness, with a little bit of arrogance because of what God has done for you, don't leave out the Levites. Rejoice with folk who know how to be faithful. Rejoice with folk who know how to be loyal. Rejoice with folk who still by your side when everybody else has turned against you. Don't leave out the Levites. I need somebody who's catching it. I need somebody who's had some people to turn on you. To type in the comments. Don't leave out the Levites. Don't leave out the ones who, who stick by your side. Don't leave out the ones who still with you who ride or die. Ain't going to walk away from you. Don't leave out the Levites. Rejoice with folk who know how to have, know how to be loyal. Be glad with folks who won't turn on you when you turn your back. And praise God for the Levites in your life. When your joy is nowhere to be found. And I know you love Jesus. I know you love his word. But am I the only one who can see the goodness of the Lord. But, but be mind blown because your joy is nowhere to be found. Am I the only one who can look all over your life and see nothing but blessing. But your joy is nowhere to be found. Praise God for the Levites. For the Levites had the task of praising God and handling holy things it's the Levites who can stand by your side and lift you up when you feel down it's the Levites who can encourage you when you feel discouraged it's the Levites who will tell you I still believe in you when everybody has turned on you I don't know about y'all I know some of y'all may be beyond the need for a Levite in your life but I need me some Levites I need some people who are going to ride or tie with me I need some people who are going to pick me up when I'm down I need some people to tell me I still believe in you. I need some people to tell me I'm praying for you. I need some people to tell me God has his hand on you. God is going to take you somewhere. You're still blessed. You're still anointed. God is still going to do it. I need some Levites in my life and when you can't encourage yourself pick up the phone and call a Levite. When you can't encourage yourself in the Lord pick up and holler at a Levite praise God for the folk who can help us when we cannot help ourselves to be joyful in our worship one more thing and I'm done I'm done I'm done how shall we worship God worship God on his terms Worship God exclusively. Worship God at the proper locality. Worship God with your family. Worship God joyfully and finally. Worship God with flexibility. Worship God with flexibility. I'm in verse 8. I'm in verse 8 and I'm done. Verse 8, your pattern of worship will change. Today, all of you are doing as you please because you have not yet arrived at the place of rest. The land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. But you will soon cross the Jordan River and live in the land the Lord your God is giving you when he gives you rest from all your enemies and you're living safely in the land. Up to this point, the children of Israel didn't have much of an order in their worship. There was not much of a consistency in their worship. Throughout the years in the wilderness, they were moving from place to place. Uh, uh, for, for about the past 40 years or so. Now they had the tabernacle. They had the tabernacle for a center of worship, but there were times when the tabernacle was set up. There were times when the tabernacle was not. 
how they worshiped from day to day, week to week, sort of fluctuated. Moses told them things were going to change once they settled in Canaan. In other words, they had been worshiping with inconsistency, fluctuating from one day to another, shifting from one week to another because of what they were going through. It was some stuff they were going through that, that, that influenced how they worshiped. And Moses is telling them the day is coming and you're going to have to be flexible in your worship. Moving around in the wilderness, uh, taking longer than they should have taken to get where they are, impacted their worship. But God is taking them to a place where going through all of what they've been through will cease. What Moses is saying in verses 8 through 10 is that when they get where God is taking them, he wants them to shift in how they worship him. They need to be flexible because all the stuff they've been going through, they won't be going through it any longer. They need to worship God with flexibility because God is taking them to a place where they won't be wandering in the wilderness any longer. They need to worship God with flexibility because God is taking them to a place where all the enemies they've been fighting and the ones they're about to fight in the near future, they will won't fight any longer. God is saying in verses 8 through 10 that God is going to put some stuff behind them and they'll worship him like never before. God is taking them to a place where they'll be settled in the promised land. They'll be stable and secure and God's worship will take on a whole new level. Let me ask y'all something. Is there anybody streaming who can say that now? Is there anybody streaming who can testify God has brought you to a place where he puts some stuff behind you? for good? Is there anyone even in the sanctuary who can bless the Lord for bringing you to a place where right now you can declare I'm settled on some stuff now. I no longer struggle with some stuff I, that I used to struggle with. I no longer struggle with my identity. I'm settled on who I am right now. I no longer struggle with why people don't like me. I'm settled on Jesus loving me right now. I'm settled on who I can become in Christ and what I can have in the kingdom and my worship has shifted. My love has intensified. My intimacy with Jesus is constantly reaching new levels. I don't need anybody giving me permission to be who he has anointed me to be. I no longer struggle with flowing in my anointing. I no longer struggle with the criticism I receive from folks in the church. I no longer quit and walk away when I don't get my way. I'm settled on some stuff. I've had to shift in my worship. I've had to be flexible and move when God said move. I've had to learn to be flexible and rest when God said rest. I don't have to live the way I had always been living. I don't have to fight like I've always been fighting. I've had to learn to be flexible. I'm settled on some stuff. I don't have to serve him uh, uh, here like I did over there. I don't have to be in the same ministry today that I was in yesterday. I can be flexible. This pandemic, if we're honest, this pandemic has forced all of us to be flexible in our worship. We have no choice but to worship God using more technology than we did in the past. We have no choice but to put more effort into connecting with one another than we did in the past. We have to worship God with flexibility. Flexibility. Ah, and isn't it, isn't, it, isn't it appropriate to worship God with flexibility? After all, he's shown that he can be flexible with us. I said God has shown he can be flexible with us. For in verses 21 through 27, I'm going to wrap this up. Verses 21 to 27, the children of Israel were told they could not eat meat offered as sacrifices unto the Lord. They could eat the meat but not drink the blood. 
The blood was to be poured out onto the ground. The sacrifices they brought to God could be eaten, but the blood from the sacrifices they offered unto him was to be poured out. God is so flexible that one day he flipped the script. God said, when, when y'all, the sacrifices y'all bring to me, you can eat portion of the meat but don't drink the blood but God is so flexible he flipped, flipped the script and he brought us a sacrifice in his son Jesus Christ and Jesus taught us unless ye eat my flesh and drink my blood you cannot have everlasting life unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you cannot inherit eternal life in the kingdom I'm so glad God shows us that he can be flexible he flipped the script we're now we don't have to offer sacrifices of meat and blood unto him. He gave us a sacrifice. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. And rather than only eat the meat and not the blood, he says every time you remember him, every time you have holy communion, every time you partake of the Lord's Supper, you are eating the meat of Jesus, the blood, the, the flesh of Jesus. You're, you're drinking the blood of Jesus. I just want to know, is there anybody here who's grateful for God being flexible? Because now we have Jesus. Now we have a, whole, a great high priest. Now we have somebody who came down through 40 and two generations took on human flesh died for you and for me but he's not dead now he was buried in a borrowed grave but early Sunday morning hallelujah he was resurrected he was raised from the grave with all power in his hands and now we must worship him we must worship him we must worship him, we must worship him, for he deserves all that he demands. Oh, bless his name. I pray that you know him today. Because trying to worship God without going through Jesus, you're wasting your time. We must accept his son Jesus as our savior. If you, if you reject Jesus, basically, you're trying to worship God on your own terms, according to your own ideology. According to your own, your own assumptions, God has given us his terms for worship. We must come through his son. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I pray you know him today. I pray you know Jesus, the son of the living God, God in the flesh. I pray you know him today. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.